Welcome to the Unbiased Fanboys Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Thomas. And we love to talk tech and all things Google. Yeah, and not only Google, we want to give you our unbiased points of views on all things tech-related, from computers and phones to smart home tech. In this podcast, we hope to be able to share our passion for all our favorite things in tech with you. But we won't shy away from bringing you the unbiased truth. If we hate something, you'll be the first to know. You can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms as well as social media at The Fanboy Pod. Our website is unbiasedfanboys.com. Now let's get into the show. Welcome to the Unbiased Fanboys Podcast. I'm Adam and I'm joined with my esteemed colleague, Mr. Tommy Martin. Very esteemed. Anyway, we are the Unbiased Fanboy Podcast where we bring you our unbiased opinions about our beloved Google, as Mm -hmm. well as Apple and other brands out there in the tech world. With that being said, without further ado, we're going to start with a little bit of uh, something a little bit different here today. We're going to kind of give some intros about us, and then we're going to talk about, you know, the history of our favorite devices, although it looks like we're growing out of our favorite devices, and that is... That is the Pixel phone. Um and it seems like kind of a weird combination to, you know, talk about ourselves and then just go straight into such a specific family of devices, except for the fact that that family of devices has meant a lot to both of us. And it is yep. a large reason of why we've gotten into Google as a company and tech as an industry. And not even and that, so, but also like our entire friendship really was kind of yeah. based off me giving you shit about you having like the S10 back in the... <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Well, the Note 9. Yeah. I remember back yeah, when I got the Note 9. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, we can start with yeah a bit of an intro on us though, because um, it, it, we did start you know our fascination with tech well before we met each other. Um, yep. uh, for me, I, I really got into tech back in you know mid high school. Um, I got really into Apple actually at first. That was my my first love in technology. Um, I had an iPod Touch um, back when they still made iPods. Um, I had a couple of different iPods. I had the touch, the little nano with the touch screen that I could put on my my wrist like a watch. Yeah. Um yep. and but when it came to phones, I, I always was attracted to Android. Uh, something about the iPhone never really sat well with me. And um the original droids that were so cool. You know, I, I really loved those from Motorola. Um and, and I stuck with Android ever since. Um and I've I've been on and off with different manufacturers. I've done some Samsung, I've done some Motorola, but uh, Google is the one that's really stuck with me. Well, I mean, for me, it was kind of ironic because because growing up, I remember seeing the first iPhone, and the first time I ever physically saw it was I was in the hospital, and the doctor had one, and I'm like, "Oh, what's that?" And so, of course, I wanted one from then on, and I didn't get my first iPhone until probably eight to nine years later. I think it was 2015 or early 2016 when I finally got one. And I bought it off of my old professor, and it wasn't my daily driver. I was running a Galaxy S5 or S6 at the time, mm-hmm. and I really just used it to play a game. It was like a pre, it was a predecessor to the um, Pokemon Go game. It was by the same developers, but it was essentially like their beta test to see how things could work. Yeah, I didn't end up using it much because I didn't like it. But but before that, I too had an iPod, uh, maybe even several of them. I remember getting one for Christmas, and then. Uh, a nano and all these other ridiculously overpriced Apple products. But hey, hmm. 
I had them and I was an iTunes fanatic. I mean, we all use LimeWire and all that to get songs and then import right. them into iTunes. And yeah. I mean, that was a shit. That's what you did when we were kids, you know? So fast forward to my sophomore year of college, I'm taking a social media marketing class and my professor who I'm still friends with to this day, the same one about that iPhone from, he is an Apple fanboy and he is the reason I am a Google fanboy. No, it's not to get back at him, but in that class, he introduced me to Google Drive and Google Docs. And through that is how it just snowballed. Through that, I found Google Fi and you know Google Sheets and Docs and, and, and Slides and Drive and all these other Google uh, services. And my profession is marketing. So of course, I'm using Google Analytics, Data Studio, Tag Manager, a bunch of different Google products and platforms. And so I'm already well into the ecosystem. And then when the Pixel came out, when it got announced, I knew immediately that was my new phone. Fuck the Samsung S7 that I was on at the time. I was getting the Pixel. So yeah, that's how I became a Google fanboy. And, uh, you know, it really kind of worked out in a good way because, you know, Tom, you and I, we were neighbors not too long ago. And we have dogs and our apartment complex has a dog park. So your wife, your wonderful wife was at the dog park with Jax. And um, and I was shit talking Google or no, I was shit talking Apple. And I guess she heard it and decided to, I guess, like bring you on a dog park or something. How'd that go? Yeah. Um, well, so I, I'd been to the dog park before, obviously, but, you know, I'm I'm a keep to myself kind of person and I, I would never introduce myself to someone I don't know. Never. Um, no, of course not. Um, and, and so that's what I have a wife for. Uh, she, she makes me interact with her. And um, yeah, she, she heard you talking about Google. She heard you uh, talking shit about Apple. Um, and so she put us in contact with each other. She, uh, she made me go talk to you. And um, that was the start of, of this beautiful friendship that we now have where we get to, um, we get to fanboy about Google. We get to shit talk Apple and uh, talk about everything in between. So we decided to do this podcast because we love Google. We hate Apple and we love talking tech. And so our friendship is kind of a unique dynamic because I know a lot, at least it seems like that to everyone I know. But then when I go and like have this conversation with Tom, he fucking blows me out of the water with just how much he knows more than I do. And um, and so I already have another podcast, which I, I'm going to keep separate from this. And so I kind of got the idea to, hey, Tom, let's start a podcast. And so here we are. About yeah. what six eight months after I suggested that, and it, it's taken a bit. Yeah, yeah, we're giving it a go. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and I'm excited about it. Um, I, I really enjoy talking tech, um, and I, I really enjoy getting uh, to share our mutual love for Google, our mutual dislike for uh, Apple, um, and that's a fitting way to get straight into our topic for today, which is going to be a the Pixel. That that's our feature device, um, and we're going to go a bit over that the history of that, starting all the way back with the Nexus phone. Um, but then getting yep. into the the Pixel devices that have been released so far. And then we're going to spend a good bit of time talking about the upcoming 4A and 5, which are both going to be really critical devices to Google's future in the phone market. Yeah, because let's face it, the 4, shit show. Yeah, yeah. I, I really was disappointed with it. Um, and we'll we'll cover um, some of these uh, complaints with the 4 in a, a future episode a bit. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's really uh, it's a turning point in in their... Uh, their manufacturing history, and uh, we'll see whether or not it turns out for the better or the worse. Um, 
but you know their their venture into hardware started all the way back with the Nexus, um, and some people will remember that, some people won't. Um, but if you if you've been an Android fan, uh, you you know a lot about the Nexus, and uh, you always heard good things about it. It was always one of those where it, it just seemed like the real techies that I knew in college at the time mm-hmm. were on Nexus phones or deep diving into how good they were and what all you could do with it. So yep. It was one of those kind of more niche, but almost more of a, a hipster Android phone. You know, it was well. You uh, could almost make that argument about the Pixel because, like, the Pixel true, is a niche market. It, it's gotten a lot more mainstream because of just how good it was, especially at the start of the lineup. But yeah, it's always been kind of focused on uh, Google purists, people who want the clean software. They want none of mm-hmm. the bloatware from carriers. They want none of the Samsung apps, Motorola app. They just want you know clean Google. Yeah, and plus it's just clean software. I mean, there's, like you said, there's no bloatware and stock Android is just, it's just so much better for a number of reasons, but at the same time, it's a lot less clunky and clouded Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, so it's just, it makes it way easier and you don't have to worry about all these other, like, you know, Samsung UIs and shit like that because you have the pixel launcher, which is at its core, what Android is designed to work with. Yes. Yeah. And that's why Google got into the hardware game was they got tired of companies like Samsung writing their history. They got tired of being defined by the decisions that other manufacturers made. And and so they Mm -hmm. made these these phones where they could demonstrate what they intended. It was almost a a developer preview kind of device where where they got to showcase exactly what they meant when they designed the software. Well, really, with their advertising budget for the Pixel, and the Pixel 2, it really seems like a developer type of device because almost nobody fucking knew about it. Yeah. Yeah. When it first came out, I mean, they ran pretty much zero ads for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it still ended up being a really popular device. Um, and that's basically because it took that that core uh, formula that they came up with the Nexus. This simple, you know, it's good hardware, but it's not overcomplicated. And it, the, it it's a device that focuses all of your attention to the software, which is where the real yeah. magic happens. Um, and they were able to take that, add in a pair or a, a, a singular, a incredible camera, um, and they were able to really make a name for themselves with the introduction of the Pixel. Well, I mean, it really just kind of started with the camera and the software because, I mean, those two really go hand in hand. I mean, let's face it, you only have yeah. one fucking lens for the first, what, three and a half devices? Yeah. But the camera was just so good. I mean, I remember initially, it, I believe it took the best camera award, and then the Pixel 2 reclaim that after the samsung galaxy 8 took that so yep yeah they've uh they really popularized that dxo mark test uh for for measuring cameras by and that was the big thing that everyone tried to do in the upcoming few years was uh they tried to match the pixel in its dxo mark test the magic of of that camera all came down to their software which is it, it kept the essence of that that preview or that developer phone uh kind of formula where the point of it was to showcase the software and the cameras just became an extension of that well, the other thing is like, so they've always offered a very low level of hardware storage on the device. Right. But one way that they were able to combat that was with unlimited photo and video storage on Google Photos at yes. original uh, quality, yep. which is a fucking amazing. Once yeah. that ends for me, I am totally fucked because I'm already buying Google Drive storage externally yep. from that because I need it. So now I'm probably going to have to upgrade to a couple of terabytes or something. Who fuck knows? But that was a a very good move by them because they were able to not only solidify themselves as a hardware manufacturer and 
um, you know, set themselves apart in the camera, but they were also able to use that prowess in the camera to uh, push their own software and to get more users onto their platforms. And I think that Google Photos might not have reached the level of popularity it did if it weren't for the success of the Pixel. Because I still wasn't using it at that point. You know, mm-hmm. it, it took a while for me to get on that until I got on the Pixel is when I really jumped on that ship even yep. further. But it was just kind of a big thing for me because I do a lot of graphic design. I do a lot uh, of... Yeah. So I'm taking photos a lot with right. with my camera on the phone. I mean, honestly, the Pixel 1 is why I sold my Canon T3i DSLR camera because mm-hmm. the Pixel took better quality at the time. Yeah. Well, and it, it was lower effort too. Um, you know, I, I, you can... If you're a, a photographer for, for a career and you can pixel peep and you can look for those small differences in, you know, a software generated HDR versus like a DSLR quality image, you can tell the difference. But for your average person posting on Instagram or just looking at their pictures back through their timeline, you know, making memories, remembering memories, uh, it was far and wide the best you could get for the lowest effort. You just point and shoot and, and you'll get an incredible picture every time. I mean, really, just take the damn thing out of your pocket, shoot and put it back in and you're good to go. With a DSLR, you know, you got to put the lens on potentially, you got to make sure the battery's good, make sure the lens cap is off, turn the fucker on, make sure the strap is on so you're not going to like drop it. But with the Pixel, with the phone, really, it's just you pull it out of your pocket, don't get dirty, and then you take the photo and then Mm -hmm. you post it where it needs to go. However, for me, it was a lot different because not only was I doing graphic design, but at the time, I was a quote unquote director of marketing. So I really needed it because I was, it was a small business mm-hmm. and I was taking a lot of photos for socials and for posters that I was designing and other yep. projects. And so it was huge. The fact that I sold my DSLR camera to have my Pixel as my main camera, yep. that spoke volumes to me about how good it was. Oh, yeah. And uh, me and my wife are both into photography quite a bit. And we, we ended up buying a Sony Alpha about a, a year and a half ago, something like that. But that was back when I still had the Pixel 3. And uh, I it really was a conscious effort I had to make to actually pull out the nice camera and take pictures with it. Because the majority of the time, I, I could take pictures with the Pixel and then be just as happy. Um, yeah. So yeah, it really changed the game. And, and the entire industry followed. Since then, uh, cameras have been one of the, the top three features in any smartphone release. Um, so it definitely pushed the industry that direction. And they continue that on through the two and three. It wasn't just the first Pixel that did that. Um, they kept up that mindset. Uh, they advanced their software and they were able to, even with just minor improvements to the actual hardware specs, they were able to continue to match flagship phones in uh, features and performance uh, just through their mm-hmm. software prowess. When you have big time tech reviewers like MKBHD mm. doing an entire 16 plus smartphone comparison based solely on the camera mm-hmm. and making a huge project out of it, taking different photos with each camera, putting those on different social media platforms, getting yeah. votes, then doing a huge 20, 30 minute video on that. You know, that's really all thanks to Google because yep. how far they pushed that envelope. They wouldn't, that wouldn't have happened uh, four or five years ago. And not just because the cameras were worse, but because people didn't expect them to be that good. No, no, nobody would have ever thought that cameras would have advanced that far. And I, I think that a lot of people thought that you know just having a couple megapixels to you know snap a picture of a label if you needed to remember something, or just grab a quick selfie so you could you know remember something. But um, you know realizing that you could actually get 
superb quality out of a smartphone camera was something that a Google pioneered. Yeah, and again, that's that's all thanks to Google. But at the same time, nobody thought that could happen because Google is what? A search engine, essentially yeah, yeah. At, at its core, which really is how they make money through selling ads. So yep. the fact that they pushed it that far out of their league, it's amazing. It kind of came out of nowhere because that was definitely not a focus of the Nexus at all. They They really changed the industry with that. Um, and all their phones have continued that, even the four, which we we have talked poorly about, um, and we will continue to talk poorly about in more depth in a future episode. But you're damn right. Yeah, it, the camera was pretty much the only positive of that phone. Um, it lagged behind every other flagship in terms of RAM, in terms of storage. It had an up to date processor, which is good, but um, that doesn't help when you've got a, a poorly implemented high refresh rate screen. You've got a super small battery. You've only got six gigs of RAM in 2019. I mean, it really uh, lagged behind the flagships, but it didn't it didn't pass on any of the savings from that hardware to the consumer. Well, with the Pixel 4, I still don't know that I put that camera ahead of either of the new iPhones that came out. Yeah, the iPhones have made a big advancement, too. So that's not all on Google disappointing that that's partly just Apple stepping up the game. They have much tighter competition now that top spot in the camera especially with regards to video um uh, apple has gotten a lot of praise for their video oh absolutely i mean the video camera on the pixel 2 which i have which Mm -hmm. we need to kind of we kind of skipped over the two and the three um but you know the pixel historically has had a very weak video camera as well as an internal microphone for -hmm. the video so it's really i wouldn't necessarily say it's a throwaway but it's just like you could do a lot better. Absolutely. The other thing is like with the Pixel 2 and the Pixel 3, they're both pretty solid. However, I think the Pixel 3, you know, is when shit started to go downhill because it started kind of showing the flaws about how Google, yes, they are amazing with their software, but it started to show holes in their plan because they just, because they they just weren't able to. Yeah, they relied on it too much, but they just weren't able to compete either because Software is great, but it can only get you too far. You can only go so far with the software, and really it's to the limits of the hardware. Yes. So, you know, four gigs of RAM, you know, in 2016, that's pretty nice. But in like 2019, yep. you know, when you have phones coming out with what, 12 yeah. gigs of RAM, yeah. and you're still putting out six, yeah, you're not going to be able to keep up because you're going to be very limited. You're going to be very handicapped. Yep. And I think that what they were trying to do with the three was they were trying to flex a bit. Like they, they realized that their hardware was behind the times and they wanted to show that you didn't need that hardware to be competitive. And I think they kind of fell on their face with that. They um they really fell on their face with the four. Yeah. With the three, you started to see signs of that. You know, the three still mm-hmm. just had four gigs of RAM, um, which you know, I think it was 2018 when the three came out. And that's really rough for a phone in 2018. Um, it was definitely behind the times and they tried to implement, you know, adaptive uh, software that it would, you know, close apps and open apps to try to predict what you wanted to have open. Mm-hmm. But uh, that doesn't change the fact that you've only got four gigs. Well, the other thing is that software feature that you were just mentioning, that you were just mentioning, that was an OS update. So I, I even have that on my Pixel 2. Mm, yeah. So with the Pixel 3, a lot of it felt for me like, let's just throw it out there because I don't really remember any big like, holy shit things that came out with no. it that weren't OS related. There definitely wasn't. It definitely was a very iterative update. 
Uh, the hardware was almost identical except for the upgraded processor. Um, the camera sensor was identical. They didn't add anything different. I think they added a second camera on the front facing side, but uh, that's not. Oh, nearly as you're right. It me. was the um, the groupie. And yeah, you could, yeah, yeah. And you could zoom out a little bit further on both the on both ends. It was the extra wide angle on the the front facing. It was the only hardware update they made to the cameras. And then there was a couple new software features, and that was it. Well, basically, you're just paying for a year newer hardware. Yep. Well, just a year newer processor, not even, you know, RAM or storage or anything. Yeah, exactly. But like, but then you have the 3A, which has the same camera, hardware and software as the main mm -hmm. pixel for a lot less money. And if the camera is the main selling point and you're getting it roughly, what, like 50 to 60 percent of the 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 main phone, yeah. why wouldn't you buy it? I mean, yeah you're, yeah, you're getting a little bit worse of a processor. You're getting your headphone jack back, which for yeah. me is not a necessity. But sure. for a lot of people, it is. I don't really understand that unless you're nice an audio file nothing else yeah sure it's nice to have but at the same time i fucking hate wires sure but sure. if you're an audio file you know a headphone jack is a necessity i think they also realize that if you're marketing to the the budget end of the industry uh you can't expect people to drop 150 or plus more on uh, wireless earbuds sure. I, I think that that was definitely a smart move for the phone and the 3a really offered a a really interesting approach and i think it really it, it gave uh, a lot of hope for google's approach forward because you know like we talked about the three started to show some signs of aging and it started to look like they weren't sure what direction they wanted to go and the 3a was a fantastic direction to go like it definitely made a compelling case for itself by giving you everything that it gave you for such a low price compared yeah. to the competitors yeah. I mean, even with that camera, I mean, it was still beating out Samsung and all those other fuckers that think that they can make a competitive product in that camera wrong. Now yeah. they can, but at the time, no. And the other right. thing is like, it's almost, it's almost like they just decided to mimic what OnePlus and Pocophone mm. and all these other manufacturers were doing in starting small price wise and then expanding over time. Although yeah. they kind of did a little bit backwards now. There's a bunch of reasons that it worked out. And yeah, that's definitely one of them. Um, but I think that it was also that fewer and fewer people every year, especially around that time, but even now, uh, were actually upgrading their phone every year. You know, most people, you know, they were happy with the phone that they got a year or two ago. Um, and they weren't really bothered about updating, especially not when flagship phones were pushing $1,000 in price. And so yeah. to come in with a compelling phone that gets you fresh out of the box software, it gets you top of the line camera better than any thousand dollar phone on the market and it costs what three hundred dollars oh, four hundred dollars you know that that's yeah. an incredibly compelling case that kind of leads us into the phone that we love to shit talk mm -hmm. ladies and gentlemen without further ado for the second time in this episode we're gonna <laughs> shit all upon the pixel 4 yeah tom take it away it's really i i kind of feel bad about it because it's not like it's a bad phone it would be a good phone for half its price. It, it had a top-of-the-line processor, which is great. And, of course, its cameras kept up with the best of them. You know, It wasn't the industry leader that it used to be, uh, mm -hmm. but it, they were right up there with the, the iPhone trading blows on, on different types of images. Um, and it, it, it really was a, a decent phone. Plus, they did make a jump to a 90 hertz screen, which is nice. They did up it to 6 gigs of RAM. 90 hertz display when you enable it all the time and then right. it's going to drain your 2700 milliamp hour battery right. 
and the the battery is the the biggest standout for me because on the pixel 3 i already had enough trouble with the battery on a a 60 hertz screen so you add a a faster processor you add um, a higher power draw screen in the form of the 90 hertz screen uh, you really struggle with battery life and i think that's why they tried to add the adaptive refresh rate feature but that just ended up not working they did add in that gimmick of the hand gestures but Mm. there's a reason why the xbox connect failed and didn't really (laughs) launch yeah yeah there's been a lot of efforts to make that type of thing work and in theory uh i can see it being useful um but on a phone i mean it there's just there's no use for it right now um it's not even a good party trick like it's just it's not useful I don't. I don't know that I'd say it's completely not useful. For example, with the Nest Hub uh, Max, I believe you can use your hand gestures there. So when you're cooking and shit, and mm. you have your hands full, you can just kind of wave to it, and it'll pause your music, yep. so you can talk to your dinner guests and all these other things. But so there, I can find a use on a phone. You know, you could kind of make that same argument, but it's still yeah. just really gimmicky. And I just, if I had the Pixel Four, I just I wouldn't see myself using that other than trying to learn it and then show it off to my soon-to-be wife who is going to just roll her eyes and say that's stupid. (laughs) And that'll be the end of it, right? It's absolutely the type of thing that you you use it once or twice when you first get it, um, but the first time it fails you, the first time you have to wave your hand like five times to get it to recognize it, you just like ask and you just stop. Um, And is it really worth that massive five head on the front of the phone? The the ugliest-looking front face of a phone, in my opinion. I actually would prefer that over the notch, which we talk about in, in later episodes. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, I just, I prefer that. And the other thing is I really can't get over how small it is. The battery is what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2,700 it, milliamp hour battery, 90 hertz display. Oh. How the fuck are you going to power that? Do you know, interesting fact, the, uh, the Nexus 6P, which is the one that was made by Huawei, I think, um, back in the Nexus days, had like a 3700 milliamp hour battery and that was a phone in like 2014 yeah we're talking a phone in 2014 had a thousand milliamp hour bigger battery than the pixel 4 there's just no excuse for it one of my buddies he works for sprint and he was telling me that one of the things so i've always called it apple's uh battery management software and really all that is it seems like now that you know he kind of explained some things to me is that Apple only lets you have like two apps running in the background. So hmm. it closes all the other ones or, or kind of like a, does a four stop on the other ones to my knowledge. So to me, that's how they're able to achieve such good battery life on a 2700 milliamp hour battery. Yeah. Yeah. Apple's got the, uh, the optimization. Yeah. I mean, they've definitely kicked Android's ass, which is fucking annoying. But it really pains me to say this. I got to admit that the Apple what is the iPhone 11 Pro Max? Well, who gives a shit <laughs> is better than the Pixel 4 in a lot of ways, camera Absolutely. included. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that the iPhone, uh, the 11 Pro, yeah, it's one of the first ones to actually, um, you know, one up Google in a lot of ways, especially with respect to the camera. But yeah, they're they're incredibly well optimized software that they can make that. I think it's only like four gigs of RAM in iPhones, maybe three gigs. They can make yeah. it feel a hell of a lot faster, a hell of a lot more robust than that. Um, their battery life is way better. Video is way better. And they have their own processors. So yeah, yeah, it's a big, big win win for them. You know, you yep. can't really compete with that when you're Google, although they are starting to make their own processors 
However, one of the things that I'm hearing about the Pixel 4a and even the 5 is that Samsung is making it. And uh. so that same gentleman that I told you about that uh, works for Sprint, during the same conversation, he was telling me that it's gotten to the point where the Google rep doesn't come to the store by himself anymore. The Samsung oh. guy is with him. Interesting. Okay. I actually yeah. didn't hear that. Huh. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. That yeah. could help them solve a lot of their hardware issues. And it's really essentially just outsourcing. So hopefully mm. that'll enable it to be cheaper. But at the same time, everyone's expecting the 5 to be a mid-range phone. So yeah, <laughs> it's hard to say what the fuck we're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's, that's a good segue into um, what we're going to talk about now is the future of the Pixel. Um, because they've had... Uh, they've had some highs and they've had some lows in their, their previous devices, but the 4A and the 5 is really where they're going to uh, cement themselves as a downward trend or an upward trend. Um, and the 4A is going to be critical to that uh, because like the 3A was a really interesting uh, com and compelling case from a cost standpoint, you know, giving you everything you wanted with nothing you didn't, the 4A has the potential to do that again and kind of fix what, uh, what a disappointment the 4 was. So real quick, I'm going to give you like a little bit of a rundown. According to Android Central, the specs on the Pixel 4a, all right, so obviously Android 10, although by the mm -hmm. time it gets released, it will probably be on Android 12. No, just kidding. Yeah, it'll <laughs> be 11. I mean, yeah. beta just got announced. Um, it's running a Snapdragon 730. It's got mm -hmm. a 5.81 OLED, 2340 yeah. by 1080. Uh, on the rear camera, it's 12.2 megapixels. On the front, it's 8 megapixels. That really means nothing because when you have software like Google does, it can make a 12.2 megapixel camera look like a 100 megapixel camera. That's a bit sure. of an over-exaggeration, but you right. get my point. Right. Um, internal storage, you have, you have options. You have a 64 or 128. Mm. You also have universal flash. And the battery, the battery is 3,080 milliamp hour batteries. Oh, or, yeah. Uh, the battery is 3,080 milliamp hours, so it's it's a bit of an improvement from the regular uh, Pixel 4. Yep. It's got 18-watt wire charging, so that's that's pretty decent. Yep. Uh, not like OnePlus is giving you, but oh, it's sure. okay. I'm okay without a exploding phone. <laughs> um, and it comes in just black and barely blue. So that is the dimensions uh, and the specifications of the new Pixel 4a according to Android Central, does that necessarily mean that is for sure? We'll know next year when it actually gets released. Yeah. And that's, uh, well, yeah, so the release date is actually an interesting thing because they were anticipated to release it in just, uh, well, on June 3rd, but that got delayed because of the whole uh, coronavirus outbreak. Well, it was initially mid to late May. I think it was like the 21st oh. or something. Yeah, it was okay. initially that. And then it was June 3rd. And then now it's who the fuck knows. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard sometime in mid-July hitting the shelves in August. But yeah, we, we really don't know at this point. But I think at this point, it's not a question of whether or not they have the hardware. It's probably just when they anticipate that demand will ramp back up. It, I mean, it's just frustrating because like that was I was going to upgrade my phone to the Pixel 4a. Yeah. But yeah. then by the time it gets released, you have the Pixel 5 coming out. So yeah. realistically, if they're both mid-range phones, yeah. You got to ask yourself, what's the point of the 4A at this point? Well, that they could either, you know, be taking a, a low-end phone in the 4A and mid-range in the 5, or um, maybe the 5 isn't going to be mid-range. Because we don't know actually a lot of the specs about the 5. There's a lot of speculation, but um, we're not 100% sure about hardly anything. So, 
we don't really know exactly the approach that they're going to take. We do know that that the Pixel 5 will have a 760 series processor. Yeah. That alone kind of gives the indication that it's going to be a mid-range. It's not going to be trying to compete with the flagships, yeah. Right, and that's frustrating because we're kind of used to that, but maybe this attempt at going smaller will price-wise will save the Pixel devices in terms of because one of the biggest disappointing things for me is they have such great phones, at least with the one and the two, and mm. sometimes you can make the argument about the three. Yeah. But they're not well-known. No, they're not. And uh, I think that if they can really cement themselves in that mid-range market, although, um, you know, to segue a little bit, or not, not segue, to go down a bit of a rabbit hole, we do have a lot more competition with that now, with the iPhone SE. You really can't even say that we have this much competition. We're really just jumping into competition with like Pocophone and yeah, yeah, those smaller brands that we jumped in with them. And now we somehow have Apple in this ecosystem too. Well, mm -hmm. not ecosystem, but budget range. But this isn't their first attempt at that. I mean, they already had the iPhone. I guess it was called the SE. So this is what the SE2 or some it, shit. The new SE. Yeah. Right. So we're, we're still seeing that, but it's just, I don't think it's fair to say that it is that we have this competition. Sure. Because there's a lot of other brands that already were in this before. Just, these bigger manufacturers are just jumping into it now. Yeah. Yeah. Because they see the value in it. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is that, um, you know, fewer and fewer people are buying those $1,000 phones. So they might have decent profit margins on them, but they're only selling a fraction of what they used to be selling. So if they can, if they can add a few of those key flagship features to a much more approachable price point, they can maybe convince more people to, you know, bite the bullet and upgrade. That's difficult. I mean, if you're already in the Apple ecosystem, you're paying what four hundred dollars for a uh, for their mid-range phone, mm. which has a lot to offer. Oh yeah, in itself, and for fifty dollars less, you could get the the Pixel Four A, which is going to be about three hundred and fifty bucks, yep. and that's still an insanely good value, typically. Oh yeah, but you know, if I'm an Apple fanboy and I'm on a budget of, let's say, $450, right, mm -hmm. in very tight budget, I'm still getting that iPhone SE. Oh, sure. Yeah. And to be fair, they probably don't have a large overlap in user base. You know, the iPhone SE is for all the people who wanted an iPhone but can't afford it. And the Pixel is for anyone with a more open mind. So um, it definitely is. They're not stepping on their toes too much. But um, it is interesting to see a lot more of these bigger manufacturers jumping into that. They they do have a large focus on the camera. Yep. Um, for the iPhone SE, just like the Pixels. Mm -hmm. But you know, is Apple did a lot very well here with this phone. They did. They really did. Yeah, I mean, even the video camera, the camera, fingerprint sensor, even. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, when it comes to the Pixel Four A, you're getting the fingerprint sensor back on the back of the phone. Yeah, which is better a better place for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's where, in my opinion, it belongs. Yep. You know, Apple really put out a competitive device here. Yep. And so when you move into the Pixel 4a, you start to see a little bit better of a camera. So with that being said, that can help hopefully take market share away from Apple yep. for $50 less. Yeah. I think that unless you are an Apple fanboy, it really makes a lot of sense to stick to the 4a, assuming that the rumors are correct, which let's be honest, they usually are with Google. And a, a huge advantage too of what, or what I love to see about the 4A is it has taken a much more modern approach to its look. Um, you know, it keeps that square camera cutout that the 4 had, you know, to keep their 
aesthetic cohesive and i know you don't like it but it does have that whole punch screen cut out that uh, samsung has taken which it lends more credibility to the fact that samsung is manufacturing it because it actually looks a lot like the samsung s10e yeah i can see what you mean and honestly like i was willing even though i fucking hate notches and hole punches and mm. stuff like that i was willing to buy this damn device yep yeah i, I think it it looks like a very promising device and if Honestly, if I was looking at upgrading now, um, you know, I, I've already uh, spent more money than I should have getting the S20 Ultra. Um, but, if, you know, if I were to be upgrading now, uh, something in that range, is a, a lot more compelling, I think. And the 4A looks to be a very promising device. I think it looked to be a promising mm. device because the Pixel 5 comes yeah. out at this point a few months after the 4A, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I think for the 5, it's really going to come down to what price range they go with. because. They can't go that full flagship if they're only going to have a Snapdragon 765. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, that will put it on par with, I mean, I think B uh, compared to phones already released an up-to-date processor, but you're going to have that next round coming in a couple months with the 865, a few phones that already have it. Um, and it, it's not going to be able to be in that top tier performance-wise. Well, according to Android Authority, they're really outside of the processor we can kind of be rest assured that Google won't downgrade a lot of the, the, you know, the specs that we're yep. used to on the phone. You know, like it's going to have IP68 rating. We're going to have at least six gigs of RAM, which is still yeah. <laughs> a laughter. Yeah. Um, and at least 64 gigs of storage, which is getting to be a Minimum, laughter, which yeah. would hopefully mean that because of such a low storage that they're going to bring back the unlimited photo and video storage that they offer on the one, two, and the three. Mm, yeah. I, I'm sure that if, if they were to cut storage, that would be the reason for it, is they would want to go back to pushing their software. Uh, but yeah, yeah all mean, those specs, I mean, those are minimum. I mean, it if I mean the four is gonna have six gigs of RAM the four A, I mean, is gonna have six gigs of RAM um and go up to 128 gigs of storage. So if mm-hmm. the five is gonna, you know, make a name for itself and be its own device, then it's gonna have to be better. I would hope yeah. for at least eight gigs of RAM and I would expect it to start at 128 gigs of storage. And then the battery, the battery has got to be bigger. Yeah. I don't see anything on here about the battery, but mm-hmm. you know, if we're expecting the same shit, <laughs> yeah. you know, I wouldn't get my hopes up there. Although I do think it's interesting that the pixel five is slated at this point, according to Android authority to start around $700, which is $50 more than the flagship original Pixel in 2016 started at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so that was the flagship in 2016. And in 2020, you're going to pay $50 more for a mid-tier device. Yeah, that is actually a very interesting point. Phones have gotten absurdly expensive recently. And Thank you, Apple. Yeah, well, it's not even all Apple, though. Samsung has pushed that a lot. Oh, um, yeah, you're definitely not wrong. You know, I think Apple was the first one to do it with the iPhone, what, 8? No, I'm sorry. It was the iPhone X. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. They, yeah, uh, that was definitely a big shift. I think that was one of the first phones to push $1,000 in price. Well, you had that, and then you had the S10. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's from Samsung. Samsung and Apple have definitely gone down the road of pushing premium high-end devices. Like the folding phones. Yeah, yeah. And I, I really like that Samsung's, you know, taking the initiative to push that. I'm interested to see where that goes. That can be another episode sometime. Yeah, and even like the Motorola Razor flip touchscreen phone. Yep. 
you know, that one starts at $1,500 and you yeah. get mid-range spec. Which yeah, is... <laughs> the, the Razer is terrible from a, a cost proposition, but man, the nostalgia of that, that Razer shape, it, it, yeah. it's cool. No, I had to like talk Kelly out of it because she really wanted it. And then I read off to her like the, the specs and everything and told her how bad they were compared to what she was paying or would have paid. And she was disappointed and rightfully so because you're paying $1,500 for a fucking cell phone in 2019 or 2020. It better fucking bring it with the hardware and the software. Yeah. Well, and that's that's uh, that gets into my phone is the S20 Ultra. Um, that That's what the, that phone tried to do. And it it disappoints in a lot of areas, but it's also amazing in a lot of areas. Though, to be fair, the areas that it's amazing in are the areas that it shares with the base S20. Most notably, just the screen and the amount of RAM. Um, so it's still, even with a folding screen, even with a 108 megapixel camera, it's hard to make the case for that level of phone unless you just like to have the best of the best. And, and you know, that kind of goes back to Apple being, you know, a bit of a, um, you know, they want to establish themselves as a luxury brand. Yeah, yeah. And so when you get into it, you know, you could kind of make that same argument about Samsung. Yep. And all these other manufacturers that have their phones that ridiculously priced. And even this Razer phone that we were just talking about, yeah. that is a luxury item oh, sure. with yeah. mid-tier specs. Yeah. Uh, they've, they've both, def all those manufacturers have kind of gone that direction. Um, and it is, it gets into that weird psychological effect of, you know, a higher price being more attractive because it makes you think it's a more exclusive device. Right. Um, and to a certain extent that that's completely irrational, but. I, they definitely have tried to corner that market, probably because it, the profit margins on it are insanely high, um, and because of the reputation they can get as a brand for you know having that most expensive Android phone you can buy, the top of the top of the top phone that yeah. you can buy from you know a spec sheet perspective or from a features perspective. Whereas you know getting back to Google, they seem to be steering hopefully in a direction of actual usable approachable devices that your average person will enjoy and will find is a good value. Interesting you bring that up. I was just thinking about bringing this up. Those products, those everyday products that individuals could, should, would use, the Pixel has their own lineup of devices already. You have the Pixel phones, right? But then you also have something that they're getting away from, like the Pixel Slate, they're no longer making those. Those were tablets, which I think it was the first Android-based tablet to run full Chrome, the browser, Yeah, um, yeah. like it was a desktop. Yeah. And so that was a big thing. And then you also have, you know, the Pixel Pen that goes with the tablet. Sure. Then yep. you also have the Pixel Books. I know you have one. I do. Yeah. They were kind of infamous because when you closed it, you could hear the, the click of the hmm. mouse. Yeah, yeah. You also have the Pixel Buds. First generation was a bit of a joke. Second yep. one is getting there. And, you know, I'm seeing reports that it's people are reporting a lot of audio lag and separation mm. and disconnectivity. So, yeah, there's they did say that for 180 bucks, it's mixed reviews. Yeah. But if you listen to your music, you know, mid level, then these aren't the headphones for you. Mm. But if you listen to them all the way up, crank those fuckers you know, then you're going to really hear some quality audio, but that's only when you have those cranked yeah. and they don't even have noise cancellation. So yeah. Yeah. That was a big disappointing thing on the pixel buds. Yeah. Because I don't know about you, 
But when I listen to music, I listen to music and yeah. nothing else. Yeah. I listen to it to get the fuck away from everything else. Yep. And I really want something like, you know, the Pixel Buds um, for work uh, just to wear around the office so that I can, you know, listen to what I'm listening to or um, you know, watch videos or something without having to deal with the wires or your big bulky over the ear headphones. And um, not having audio cancellation is a big problem because that'll yeah. uh, allow all the distractions from the office in. So that was definitely disappointing. Well, another thing that they that these Pixel Buds are advertised of being able to do is live translation. Mm. Uh, yeah. However, that requires both people to be wearing Pixel Buds so you can continue mm. that conversation. Yeah. And the other thing is the big flaw that no one is really talking about with live translation is just how inaccurate Google mm. Translate is. Yeah. It's very good for rough translation, but for right. conversational, right. like not enough. Yeah, it does a lot of proper when mm. proper isn't always the spoken dialect or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, if someone spoke to us in proper English, it'd probably be pretty hard to tell what they're saying. Dost thou hath any more bread? <laughs> no, uh, it's like, so my fiance, and in a week from today, she'll be my wife. Um, when I'm talking to her family, because they're Hispanic descent, you know, I used Google Translate one time and my fiance had no clue what i was trying to say yeah yeah i think linus did a video in a uh of the original pixel buds and their live translation yeah yeah and he had a bunch of different people come in i don't know if you've seen this video i have yeah oh okay so of different like language origins mm. and it was pretty interesting because there was one gentleman in particular that it just it got it all wrong and yeah, it yeah. was insulting mm. to him Literally. So, but he kind of knew that going in because he's an employee of Linus Tech sure, Chip. So, sure. he, you know. But. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's that's something I love and hate about Google is how much they're willing to you know, double down on attempts at, at future projects. Things like live transcribing or like live translation. It's That's a very futuristic thing, you know, that we can just talk to each other in whatever language and it comes through in whatever language we want. But they have a history of kind of flopping with those types of things and the same can be said about some of the other devices you brought up like the pixel books for example or even chromebook as a whole i think that it was introduced a bit ahead of its time and it's never really caught on you know i can say from owning the pixel book it's not really a compelling device you know if you need something no. really cheap you know one of the really cheap like acer or asus chromebooks can be a mm -hmm. good entry-level computer but windows is worth the price so well if you're gonna be a college student let's say your average college student that is not in like graphic design or any yep. sort of digital media production yep. video graphic design animation any of that and all you need a computer for is writing paper and doing research yeah by all means this sure. is the computer for you yeah. but if you need that digital media production skills or even you know cad right yeah, yeah. um you know drafting or uh land surveying even yep. chrome os is not for you and that's when you need to start looking at windows or apple devices it's not even just technical software either i mean it's literally any program that you can't run in a browser something you need windows for and a lot of colleges too if you talk about college students a lot of colleges offer education licenses for windows they offer uh microsoft office for free or for discounted prices um, mm -hmm. They offer a lot of software that you can download, but so it, it's really hard to make the case for something like that outside of maybe 
but high school students or, or something like that where well a lot of middle schools and high schools are moving towards chrome os yeah yeah that's all they need it for yep they've done stuff like ipads before but you know even that's a bit unnecessary for something like high school a chromebook is a perfect example of something for that but outside of that market it's really not very compelling and the pixel book is a great example of what it can't uh compete with because it, it gave exactly. you an i7 processor and 16 gigs of ram and 512 gigs of storage but you don't even have a proper file manager in it uh it it, it really is a complete waste of that level of hardware and uh it is the google purchase area well feel free to give me that uh google home max <laughs> no no i am I'm, I'm a fan of those in all seriousness, though, aside from the hardware and the software, my biggest disappointment with Google is their ability to push their products because that, to me, is a main reason why the Pixel lineup didn't really take off Yeah, because you didn't really see ads for it. I mean, sure, I remember with the original one, I saw some ads, but there had to be a reason why a camera was such a great phone that really pushed the envelope, even the Pixel 2. Yeah why nobody bought them well I, I don't think it's necessarily fair to say that they didn't take off and nobody bought them no, they they were quite successful phones of course nowhere nearly on the level of a samsung or an apple that's my point right um but i i think that i think that yeah they do need to do better about pushing their devices because they can't just put them on the store shelf at verizon and then hope that the associates there will sell them um, you know, it, that's not enough. And they occasionally run ads, but, you know, not very many. And they pretty much depend on word of mouth and people like us to, to sell their product. I've done that with my family. On my recommendation, three people in my family now have Pixel devices. Uh, actually, four. And so there are people like us that push that, but they really, they, they could have a much larger market share if they just had a better, you know, household name recognition. You know, like yourself, we bought my now future father-in-law uh, Pixel 3a for Christmas this past year. So I do try to push the brand as much as possible, but I'm not going to say, hey, future father-in-law, you should buy a Pixel 4. Why? Because I feel like making you look like an idiot. No, I'm not going <laughs> to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah. going to do that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. They need to give us compelling devices to market. Um, and, and hopefully they do that with the 4a and 5. I've got mixed opinions on it. You know, the, like you said, with the 4A being really delayed, it's becoming less and less compelling given its competition. And with the 5 being more mid-range, um, we'll see how it goes. But hopefully they can, you know, they can find their corner of the market and they can do a better job about uh, advertising. Hopefully. But I think that's going to do it for this episode. If you liked it, leave us a good review on iTunes or your listening platform if they allow it. Check us out on social media. All of our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is the Fanboy Pod. And our website is unbiasedfanboys.com. Leave us a message on social. Let us know what you think. We'll be putting out episodes pretty frequently. Give us a thumbs up and tell us what you liked about it. Again, I'm Adam. I'm Tommy. And uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Remember, you can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms as well as online at unbiasedfanboys.com and on social media at the Fanboy Pod. And feel free to let us know your thoughts about the topic or our podcast. We'd love to hear from you. So drop us a message on social media or on our website. Don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Have a good day. Adios, amigos.